Oh, hey. We're starting now. We're starting now. We're live. Best cold open ever. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're starting now. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And I'm Alex. And we're nerds, and we have a podcast. We it's do. It's called Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be talking about some stuff that we've done the last few weeks. Uh, this will probably be the last episode on our old setup, because I'm planning on getting us a new soundboard. Oh, Ooh. you are? Yes, because I will be having a little bit of extra money tomorrow, so I'm going to order us a new soundboard. Yay! Dollar, dollar bills. And now we got to figure out a whole new setup. Uh, No, not really, because no? we've got... All we have to do is download Audacity onto Elise's other laptop. More modern laptop. More yeah. modern laptop. The so, only reason we're using this one is because this thing is so old that it literally cannot right. run on Windows 10. For those so. of you at home, uh, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, this is my laptop from college, yeah. which was 10 fucking years ago which at we're this still, point. We're still using it because it, ha- it still has Windows Vista on it, yeah. and the uh, the sound mixer that we use to record this has not had drivers for it made since Windows Vista. <laughs> So, so when we talk about our podcast being put together with duct tape, yeah, we're not lying. Yeah, thumbtacks and Elmer's glue, man. Yeah, I think but, there is in fact some duct tape on my uh, <laughs> on my laptop. It wouldn't surprise to me. keep the to keep the lid on anywhere. So when we get this new setup, we may be able to pull out the third microphone and have all three of us yeah, with, with a microphone, our, our yeah. very own microphone, without oh, having the two of you like huddled yeah. over a single. Uh. <laughs> It'll be the breakdown of our huddled, marriage. Huddled around the campfire. Now that we're like no longer, we we're... no longer have to speak this close to each other every other week. <laughs> and it's like, ugh, it's, it's like I'm gonna completely forget who you are. Yeah, so we'll far be, away. We'll be slight, well, six inches further away. Well, that'll be <laughs> <a jumping> point. <laughs> anyway. Uh, welcome everybody. I want to start off today by talking about politics, as we so infrequently do on this podcast. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about British politics, British or American politics, politics or, or Brazilian politics? Oh God, oh, let's not talk about Brazilian politics. That that one's too sad. That Amazon's on fire. Yeah. It's on purpose. Not the Amazon that you want to be on fire. <laughs> let's make that very yeah. fucking clear. And the ice is not melting that you want to be melting. Yeah. Um, um, the Amazon in the rainforest, not the one that Jeff Bezos owns. But, um, yeah, okay, so I saw this earlier today, and I told Elise this. Okay, so have you been have you been following the whole thing, what's going on with uh, with Parliament, Alex? Yeah, pretty much, pretty in-depthly. Jesus Christ. Did you see that today, apparently, there is a contingency plan to evacuate the Queen in the event that the Brexit stuff turns nasty? I had not seen that, no. Yeah, yeah, they're going to, if in the oh. event that uh, becomes unpleasant, the queen's gonna be taken out of, the, of to, England to Canada. I don't know where to. I didn't read that. I didn't read the whole article, but I'm just like, will like the other royals stay there? Meghan Markle's not. <laughs> Meghan Markle is just probably like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I lived in L.A. Like, I'm just. It's like L.A. out there. I mean, um, we've been, we've been saying for a while now that like Boris Johnson is going to be the last, uh, the last prime minister of the United Kingdom. Oh my God. When we were in Scotland, like everybody hated him. Yeah. Like not only did everybody we meet hate him, everybody hated Brexit. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't be making mass like generalizations about a group of people. But um, the vast majority of, of Scottish people voted against um, voted voted against Brexit, and so because of that. But not only now, I yeah. now not only now do I think that 
Boris Johnson is going to be the last prime minister of the United Kingdom. But the queen is going to be the last queen. The of queen the is going to be the last monarch in, <laughs> in Great Britain, which is going to be pretty cool. We get wow. to whip out that Republican flag of oh, Britain, God, which yes. looks like Hungary, but on its side. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited. Uh, okay, so this is the, the thing. The red, white, and green. <laughs> this is the thing that, like, really pisses me off um, about the whole Boris Johnson and the mon- and Queen Elizabeth and whatever. So, like, one of the things that the monarchists say, like, the people that want to keep the monarchy around, is they're like, well, you know, if we ever get somebody that was, like, I don't know, kind of fascist or just really terrible or wanted to do awful fucking things with the government are you do you see where i'm going here I'm, I'm talking then about, the okay. queen could step in then the queen could step in and stop it and she could you know if like parliament really fucked up and they elected a prime minister who was completely unfit for the job she would fucking step in and stop it and she would also like Step in and stop it with abuses of power. And fucking Lizzie Deuces <laughs> done fucked that shit up. Yep. And it's like, you had, bitch, you had one job. You well, it's like, how much do they pay you? You have one job. It's, Your face is on the money. You had one job. It's like, two what jobs. The fuck? It's, it's that and give a speech at Christmas, okay? It's almost as if an institution that is, you know, dated back to a divine right of kings. It has, predates divine right of kings. Uh, has something that, you know, in common with uh, conservative politics. I mean, who, who yeah, would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But it, uh, you know what, though? That bitch probably, if Jeremy Corbyn, is that one of our cats turning up? I don't know. Okay. Don't know. Um... Yeah, if if like Jeremy Jeremy Corbyn had been elected though, I think she would have like stepped in and be like, "Oh no, See, that is far too far too progressive for the United Kingdom." No, no, no. But like, no, give me, like, my, give no. me a, a piece of money with my picture on it so I can fan myself. He's from not. The he's not even as left as like other left Labour Party leaders from back in the day. Like, yeah, you know, like what is it, uh, Attlee? Yeah. You know, Clem, Clement Attlee, like his whole you know revival at the end of World War Two. It's like he's in that vein, but he's not even that far. Yeah. So anyway. Yep. So, like, I, I know anything about one British job, politics. Lizzie Deuces. <laughs> the, 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 one job. The world's fucked. I mean, I don't um, know. I mean. So, <clears throat> so. No two countries are not. <laughs> and oh, one of them Amazon. is even more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and now the Congo, too. Oh, shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm not kidding you. It's been yeah. on the fire for longer than the Amazon. Yeah. I just haven't noticed it because it's in Africa. Mm. <sighs> so anyway, we're all fucked. And yeah. Wow. It feels like irresponsible to talk about anime at this point, right? Like, I don't know. I don't well, know what else is gonna, left? We're going <laughs> to be talking about Evangelion today. So I feel like <laughs> it's the anime that makes us feel the bad feelings. Uh, congratulations. 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 Uh, I love that show. It's so God good. Damn it. Elise, what did you think about Evangelion? Uh, I felt some feelings and then I wanted to drown those feelings out with whiskey and then yeah 
I think that that about sums it up. <laughs> um, I, I just, oh my god, like where do you even fucking start with Evangelion? Uh, well, it's a show about you, robots. You start off with the with the epic theme song. It's like that and Twin Peaks have the yeah. best the best opening can we find a youtube video that like smashes the two uh, of them I've together them. oh really I, well i've seen That's someone hilarious. i've seen someone do i can't remember which one which way it was but someone put the music from one over the images of the other oh, and I can't Jesus. Remember it was which... probably the music from evangelion Leon over, over images from Twin i Peaks. think it probably was i think that that works that absolutely works oh my god though uh evangelion and uh king of the hill Yes. yes. Everybody, like, pause our podcast. <laughs> Go YouTube, Evangelion, King of the Hill, the mashup. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember what it's called. Propane. Propane. <laughs> <laughs> but like, watch it. Ar- it's Ar- amazing. Ar- okay. We, we'll we'll <laughs> give you a minute. Uh, All right, Ar- we're Ar- back. back. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, so it's a it's a show about robots about and robots. depression and existentialism. You know what? David Lynch and the creator of Evangelion, uh-huh. like I, have they gone drinking together? They, no, but they should. Like, are they like are they friends? Because if not, like that's the greatest uh, misconnection ever. Like, there needs to be a very long Craigslist post. Here's the thing, though. Like, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret Evangelion, but it's like you you kind of all they all kind of fall into like the same basic things like some of you can you can watch the entire series and not get some of them like what's Sele's actual plan like what how is Sele's plan different from what Gendo wants is what happens at the end of Evangelion what Gendo is actually planning the whole time or is he fucked like it's it's a little bit hard to suss some of that stuff out but none of it compares to Twin Peaks The Return in oh, terms Jesus of like Christ. how okay like all right what happened <laughs> no but i feel like i feel like if you gave the creator of evangelion and i can't think of his name right now uh hitaki ano i think ano is his last name i can't remember so what his like if first you name is. if you gave ano like 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 i'm just i'm just i feel i want to believe that if he was given another shot to make and like another evangelion movie he'd watch twin peaks to return and he'd be like hold my beer David Lynch sensei? I don't know. Uh, well, here's <laughs> like the thing. David Lynch senpai? Here's the thing. We haven't yet is Hitotakiano. Um Here's the thing. We haven't finished Evangelion yet. Oh my god, motherfucker. Because we haven't gone through the rebuild series. Oh my god, motherfucker. And their new one of the rebuild, like Evangelion 4.0, is going to be coming out shortly, I think. Oh, so, so yeah. It's totally like Hold My Beer Lynch senpai. Oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> We Jesus should. Christ. We should totally. I. I. I should get those too. Because um, <laughs> I have. I have one point one one. Lynch and I, Otto in the same room together. What no, are no, you no. Saying? I'm saying like because the the, uh, the rebuild series. We should watch those. It's on Netflix, right? No. 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 Okay. They, they didn't. Bought. They bought. All What's of the... a rebuild series? Okay. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> So oh, sweet summer child. So Evangelion ended. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was the like, end of Evangelion. Yeah, no, no, okay. So, so wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> Evangelion ended in 1995, maybe early 96. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. In 1990. So it ended and everyone was like, we don't like that ending. <laughs> Do a different one. Much, much like when Twin Peaks ended. Much like when Twin Peaks ended. Around the same time. A few years later. 
Yeah. Um, and so Hidetaki Anno made End of Evangelion, which was a bigger budget movie that goes a little bit more into detail about- Which makes less sense. <laughs> I don't know if it makes less sense, but you certainly need to have, you need to have seen the series all the way through in order to have any sort of idea of what's happening in End of Evangelion. Or watch the other movie that he made, Death and Rebirth, which we didn't actually watch. We kind of skipped Death yeah. and Rebirth and went straight into End of Evangelion. Um, but End of Evangelion is a movie that kind of tells us a little bit more about what happens. Because the last two episodes of the actual anime are abstract, to say the least. Um, and so it's very unclear as to what is actually happening. Uh, the movie gives you more context for what's happening in End of Evangelion. Um, and then it just kind of ends. And then he went back and he did re-edits re of the, like, so he, he did re-edited like the first few episodes of the series, um, put it in HD, like 1080p, stretched it out, uh, and released it as, uh, Evangelion Rebuild 1.0. Which then got re-edited twice more, and the current version is called 1.11. You cannot. Um, um, what was it? You are not alone. Uh, and it's basically like the first, I don't know, like five or six episodes of the anime re-edited, and then he released another one called Evangelion Rebuild 2.0, which starts to change the story. <laughs> To the point where you, and this is mild spoilers for anyone who's still picking their way through the original series, to the point where you realize that the rebuild isn't actually a reboot of Evangelion. It's actually kind of a sequel that takes place after the end of Evangelion, but basically with time having reset back to the beginning of the series. Okay. Um, which in 1.11, there are some things that kind of hint at this. So at end of Evangelion, there's an event that turns all the seas red. Mm -hmm. Which you see them in the beginning of the series and they're not red, but in the rebuild they are. Mm -hmm. So it's like little hints like that um, to let you know that what you're seeing is actually taking place after the end of Evangelion. And everybody's stuck in like a time loop. Kind, kind of. of. Um, there is actually a really brilliant um, uh, video that was done by, I think Crunchyroll mm -hmm. released it, called The Complete Timeline of Evangelion. Oh, God. All, all the timelines explained. Um, and the guy that did it even went into, like, the video games and, like, the advertisements for, like, shaving products and <laughs> bullet trains. Uh, and explained Shinji how... Shinji gotta go fast. Yeah, yeah. And explains how all of them fit into the Evangelion timeline. How they all split off from the third impact. Uh so... I know you're kind of in the middle of your thing. Including the strip Mahjong games. Have you... There's there's a YouTuber named Redbard uh, who did released a video not that long ago uh, about how you could live your entire life oh, yeah, in Japan yeah. just, using just, just Evangelion, Evangelion products. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. seen that one. Okay, <laughs> you put on you put on your Evangelion New Balances. You go to work using the, the Evangelion, Evangelion bullet train. train. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, no, it's oh, really Jesus. great. Jesus, you you shave using the the, yeah. the Evangelion shavers. Sh shave impact. And then you need to go to a business meeting at a golf course, so you take your Evangelion <laughs> golf clubs. <laughs> oh, God. There is... I love Evangelion. I, there are a lot of things that I can't stand about it, though. <laughs> and, like, a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
it is one of those series that has a very definitive message Mm -hmm. to the point where in end of Evangelion, they show people at anime conventions wearing Evangelion costumes and actual screenshots of actual comments left by fans on message boards and sent to Hidetakiano in emails, basically saying how you can't live your life as a fantasy. <laughs> and then, like, it goes back to it and everyone's like, cool robots! <laughs> Golf clubs! <laughs> but it's not even that. It's it's the fact that people are so obsessed, like, so obsessed about the show and, like, the look of the show and, like, spinoffs and manga series and video games and all of this other stuff that it's, like, the point of the series is you can't live your life like that. <laughs> you can't just escape into these other things and have them provide your meaning for you. Which I realize for the podcast that we're doing right now is a little bit ironic. But it's, like, it's not the only thing. Like, it's not the only thing that, like, we're like focusing on so it's like i think it's a beautiful series and it has got a very a wonderful message um and there's a lot of like important takeaways in terms of like psychology and fandom and all this stuff but it's like it, it is a very personal thing for hitatake yano and they're like now do another one where sinji has a girlfriend and it's like you're missing the point <laughs> it's like fine <laughs> But that girlfriend will probably kill him. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to say, man. But, um, yeah, because the, the, the end of the series is like, oh, yeah, and by the way, fuck y'all. And then, like, the, the movies are kind of like, no, really, fuck you guys. And then the rebuilds are seriously. Like, go. stop the madness. <laughs> I just, like, I want to know... And, Maybe this is wrong of me to say, but I kind of want to know, like, what the fuck does this say about Japan that, like, this is the media? Mm -hmm. Like, this is the show that we're going to make shade, like... Like, we're gonna make like shaving this, cream about. Yeah, yeah. Like, the show that is, like, an existential depressive crisis. This is their Star Wars. Yeah. But, like, Star Wars, it's... Star Wars, it's it's cowboys in space. Like, it really hits yeah. to, like, if you want to go, like, you know, Star Wars hits something that's very American, right? It mm, is, yeah. like, that idea of, like, the underdog will prevail. We are, you know, we're the only good force in the universe. It's punching space Nazis. Punching space Nazis. Like Shooting space Nazis. But, yeah. Um, you know, like, like yeah. You know, it's, it, that makes sense with Star Wars being, like, a very, like, American thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Evangelion, like, what are you trying to tell me, Japan? Like, you're, you you're national, <laughs> like, do you need help, right? Like, like, I think we should be worried. So, so, like, uh, I'm kind of nervous for Japan. We haven't heard from them in a while. So, are they doing okay? I heard there Wooly, was an earthquake in Hokkaido. Wooly is in Japan right now. Yeah. Um, and he, they're still recording, uh, Castle Super Beast, uh, with Wooly kind of fo- literally phoning it in. Um, and apparently he went to USJ, uh, Universal Studios Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, and there is an Evangelion versus Godzilla ride at USJ. There's what? What? <laughs> There's an Evangelion versus Godzilla ride 
at Universal oh Studios in Japan. Because Hidetaki Anno also directed the most, I think it's the, still the most recent, Japanese Godzilla film, uh, huh. Shin Godzilla. Uh, and so they did this whole thing, and like it's one of those like motion act, yeah. motion rides, and uh, it's uh, the your the audience is supposed to be like in a helicopter with Kaji, and suddenly a new angel has appeared, and like that angel is the Godzilla? angel is Godzilla, and so it's like the three Avas are fighting Godzilla. And then, oh no, you find out that Godzilla wasn't the angel. It was really Ghidorah and Godzilla was trying to help. And so like, there's this huge, like, like three-way battle with the Avas fighting Godzilla, fighting Ghidorah. And like, apparently there's like one part where the, the ride like falls and it gets ca- caught by unit one and unit one's fighting while, you know. The, oh my God. <laughs> while holding the Okay, like, other ser- people in seriously hand. though, like, think about, you know. It's like if. if the... It's just a show about cool robots, guys. I don't. <laughs> like, stop reading into well, it. No, Jesus. No, it's, don't it's look as up if... what those robots actually are. So, as if, um, like, the national movie of France was like an adaptation of The Stranger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of though. <laughs> or, like, if, if instead of Star Wars, it was Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> United States. Or Blue Velvet. <laughs> but it, you know, and it, like it's just—I don't know. Like, am I going to offend people if I'm like, there's not a lot of deeper meaning to Star Wars? Uh, no, I mean, I th- they, you know, like, you can go with like you know the 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 Joseph the, Campbell kind of like hero with a thousand or faces like the Taoist yeah. kind of argument yeah. of the Force. And um, I yeah. read a really good book called the the uh, like uh, Zen of Star Wars or something yeah. like that, like Buddhism and Star but it, Wars. But it's very it's very linear in structure yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's easy to understand like you have very distinct characters there are daddy issues like, there but they're very simple yeah, to work through. they're very simple to work through and then it's like and then it's evangelion and it's just like like it, it's like a th- like watching it is like watching like a 300 level philosophy mm-hmm. or psych class like it's it, i don't know like a, but you've got a but you've got a razor scooter that you can drive ride <laughs> but like with shinji's face on it and i just I, i'm you know i'm thinking to myself i'm like are there like parents in japan that are like i can't wait to share evangelion with my kids <laughs> and you're just like i mean they, yeah I think that's pretty much what it is. Like the way like parents here are like, I can't wait to like share Star Wars with my children. And 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 it's like it, it's Evangelion and I'm just but but it's Evangelion. <laughs> I couldn't wait to share Evangelion with you. I know. Please and now, don't share it with our future children. I've got the whole series on DVD. So when they're like goes away 14, again. I guess? 16? I, I don't, don't have End of Evangelion, though. That was the one reason why I was waiting for it on Netflix. is because we couldn't watch the End of Evangelion if we watched my uh, DVD set. I, I don't think I would understand it anymore. Like, I don't know. I just <laughs> Would anyway. you understand it less? <laughs> now that <laughs> you've watched it? I don't... It's just... I, 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 I like I, how long have we been talking about this we haven't actually discussed like any plot points okay you like do do we think that I guess there are people out there who still haven't seen it um Alex do you care no because you're like I'm not gonna watch this I'm, I, I've I started watching the first few episodes with Nick no I, I don't I don't live here I don't have to <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks bitch here's the thing Sorry. it starts it the really interesting stuff does not happen at the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning of the series is just like, you know, kind of a basic boilerplate 
uh, mecha anime just with like deconstructing the tropes where it's like, oh, it's still, uh, you know, the main Chosen character. Chosen Wine doesn't want to go in the, the robot. Well, no, it's not that he doesn't want to go. Like the, the tropes of the mecha series before Evangelion were teenage pilot who gets thrown into this thing like he's the only one who can do it either like everyone else gets killed and he's the last person left and he does it as a matter of self-defense or like he's been trained to do it or he's just a special guy or whatever yeah um and there's a lot usually <laughs> gendo's special little guy yeah gendo's special little guy um <laughs> and um, that's a terrifying but sentence. i mean that's the episode title right? i mean going along with going along with gendo though like gendo kind of all like is like a subversion of that trope too because you know it's usually like it built like the robot was built by the father figure who usually like dies or something at the beginning. He's being raised by like the kindly mentor. I'm assuming yeah. I'm just I mean, yeah. that's like, if you go and watch like the original Gundam, which is also a really good series. And again, again is a series that is kind of destroyed by its fan base because the message of Gundam is war is bad <laughs> and is good for nobody. But then the real message of Gundam is look at all of these cool war machines. Don't you want to go fight wars? Um, but, uh, with, with Evangelion, it's like, Oh, the guy, the only guy who can do it is kind of, you know, he's a shitty person because he's a teenager. And I think that's like something that gets lost in a lot of mecha anime is that like, you forget that they're teenagers. Yeah. Like, the main characters in Gundam Wing are supposed to be, like, 15 years old. Um, which, if you know any 15-year-olds, they're, <laughs> they're kind of... They're kind of stupid. They're kind of selfish. Um, which is exactly what Shinji is, which is why I feel that's such a good character, like, to have. It um, was interesting with uh, Netflix, they picked... Oh shit! Did we talk about Evangelion last time? I'm like just now realizing it. Well, we didn't. We I don't think we had finished. It I don't last think. Okay. Time. So I think I might have mentioned this last time on the podcast, but like it's interesting that Eva that Netflix like really throws it in your face that he's 15. Like they pick a very young sounding voice actor yeah, for it. Yeah, I think we did. We, and I like I I think I had talked about that last time. I don't remember what we talked about it on the oh, podcast. Oh fuck. We like did we no, now I feel like I have to go on our Facebook page and be like, fuck, did we already talk about Evangelion? We talked a little Do bit about it. Do we need to stop talking about Evangelion? But we hadn't we hadn't finished it last time we Are recorded. you sure? I'm positive. Are you sure? I am yes. looking up our Facebook page right now. This is sad that we don't remember what we talked about <laughs> like I, last well, time. Well, here's the thing. I I think we talked about it, but I don't again, we hadn't actually finished the series. So, did you talk about what the religious symbolism means okay not really okay I mean, so the religious symbolism it's certainly there <clears throat> but it's not really because what even is an evangelion okay because i know what evangel evangelism oh, is okay but like <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs> what nothing no no no. we hadn't talked about it but it was just uh what what exactly is an Ava? That's an oh that's oh a God. big spoiler. I don't know if we want to put it here in the the thing. Okay, uh, yeah. well don't worry about but, it. Then. We'll explain it all there. We'll say we will say that you really hit it on the nose when you were like, I know what evangel uh, evangelism is, yeah. mm -hmm. because the idea it's neon genesis, it's new genesis. Yeah, Evangelion. Yeah, retelling a retelling of the of the book of Genesis basically yeah. is what the title is supposed to mean. So, I mean, look, we can talk about the. So, the it turns out that the Dead Sea Scrolls 
are actually a prophecy. <laughs> but it's just I like, know. In the world of Evangelion, the Dead Sea Scrolls are a prophecy that foretell the end of the world. And Nerve and Sele are two organizations. So Sele is like a secret organization that was created. Um, basically, is the Illuminati. And is kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. And Nerve is the less and, secret organization. And Nerve is is a sl- the public face of that secret organization. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Nerve works for the UN, but secretly Sele is pulling the strings. Because Sele has this, basically this plan to save humanity from the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, they're following what's happening in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they've come up with this idea. Um, again... One of the things that isn't entirely clear if you watch all of the series is what the fuck Sele's plan actually is. Because Sele and Gendo are, like, always trying to double-cross each other because, like, Gendo has his own plans. But what Gendo's plans are aren't fully explained by the end either. But really what ends up happening is nobody's plan. And... And so it it just follows the Dead Sea Scroll? It's... It, it, well, they do point out events not depicted in the Dead Sea Scrolls might still can might still uh, pop up. Like they mentioned it a few times in the series, where it's like when things happen that no one has foreseen, they're like, "Well, just because it wasn't in the Dead Sea Scrolls doesn't mean that it's not still part of the plan." <laughs> um, but really, what ends up happening is Shinji kind of uh, Shinji and Rei sort of throw a wrench into the whole thing, and then something else occurs. Um, which is what neither group wanted, and then that's when the series ends. Um, and that really nobody gets what they want. Nobody gets where, what they where. Nobody gets what they want except except for Shinji, who kind of becomes a self actualized person. Yeah, like he's the only person who gets what he wants. Also, fuck Shinji. Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I guess he's fine. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> God, a- are we talking about? I I feel like we're really talking about Evangelion like two episodes in a row. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's, we may have mentioned it briefly or talked about how lot, you're going to watch it. And, there was a lot to talk about with Evangelion, but we didn't talk about the religious parts of it. Okay. Okay. So I mean, that's basically it. Is it's yeah. is there are characters called Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, Adam and Lilith. Um. That are very important. And there's cross imagery. There's a lot of cross imagery, um, which does not have anything to do which with does Genesis. Not have a whole lot to do with Genesis, depending on who you ask. Nothing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if you if you ask uh, if you ask uh, John Milton, it's got a lot to do with it. But yeah, and pretty much any Christian is like. Eh, whatever. This is compl- this is a completely different. Topic <laughs> no, let's let's go into religious right. cast. So. <laughs> I, so should I go grab my Torah from least, downstairs? Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh Jesus! But, um, I might, actually, I might know more about this than you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! But um, so in in the beginning of the New Testament, yeah. they kind of redo the beginning of the Old Testament. Well, that doesn't count. No, no, no. I know, but I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's fan fiction, but go with me for a second. probably i don't know i haven't been to church in years i don't know why this is like hitting a chord with me so it says they kind of mimic the the wording of the old beginning of the old testament when it says um in the beginning 
um, the word was with God and the word was God, something along those lines. Sure. And like the word is Jesus. And so basically, the beginning of the New New Testament essentially just says, don't worry, guys, Jesus has been here the whole time. Jesus is essentially the mini moose of Judaism uh, from when we talk about uh, uh, Invader Zim in a little bit. Oh, I think I fell asleep during that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. Not during church. No, but, but yeah. I mean, but in uh, in the Christmas special. Oh, in the Christmas special. This is this is. I'm gonna get the corkboard and the strings. We're gonna stick stuff together. Oh my god. Mini Moose is Jesus. Um, what? Mini Moose. You know, Zim's other sidekick. He's been around the whole time. That's not how Jesus works. But in the no, but in the Christmas special of Invader Zim, Mini Moose is just kind of there. And Invader Zim is three? just like, yep. like I don't understand what's so hard to like fucking understand about this fucking shit i don't know i should not be cursing this much when i'm talking about god in a serious manner talk the fuck about god (laughs) it's three entities in one divine being but that's not it's the father the son and the holy spirit that's not a monotheistic thing it's fucking monotheism if we say it's monotheism okay (laughs) who's inventing monotheism here So Alex, <laughs> Alex, tell me, tell me why, uh, tell me why there were two seats in the Holy of Holies. Why there were two seats in the Holy of yeah. Holies? Well, it's for the, it's for the, the Levite and the Cohen. Yeah. So is that monotheism? Those aren't. Those are the priests. Are, and, no, 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 no. But I mean, like, those are. <laughs> you want to say it? I, I thought, I thought the Levite and the Cohen were families. They are. They were like clans. Yeah, but they were the ones. Yeah, they're clans, dum dum. Yeah, let's laugh at the atheists. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Anyway, we were we were getting angry about religious <laughs> quarrels from just, fucking it, Iron Age. In any event, in any event, so yeah, it's. And I'm going to hell. It's fine. <laughs> I'll be there already, so it'll be fine. Oh, thanks, baby. Um, I'll say till death do we part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's the the religious imagery is mostly that you know it's about it's about the end of the world. Mm. Um, but it's not really religious it's like alien or something but don't worry about it but it's not they're not really aliens so is jesus an alien no so but adam is an alien okay <laughs> but so... we're all sort of aliens because we all came from adam and lilith in this. we all came from lilith yeah yeah who was an alien yes so everybody's an alien yes. but lilith lilith is from like jewish fan fiction yeah like not even part of the christian canon yeah so, okay, are we gonna because, add in Muhammad too? No, it's because it's because Adam and Lilith. Well, it's it's they take a lot of stuff from from Judaism, but like because it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. It, mm-hmm. There's also like Christian elements, but it mostly comes from a lot of it comes from like um, the Kabbalah. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of like imagery of like the Sephirot and things like that. Sure, sure. Um, like you do. Like you do. <laughs> um, I, I don't. Yeah. Because it's all about... So, Sele's plan is what's called the Human Instrumentality... What, what ends up becoming the Human Instrumentality Project, which is basically turning the entire human race into a single entity with a single consciousness. Mm-hmm. All right. Dumbling, so, it's kind of... Yep. So, it's kind of... It's kind of like what Kabbalah is, sort of, but like a really what? fucked up version. Because Kabbalah is, the, like, from what why I don't understand... You, why don't you explain yeah. Kabbalah to us? To the Jew. Yeah, do it. I mean, from what do I understand, it. the people who get, like, really into it, 
I've done a little bit of research. Ask here Madonna. There. Okay, ask Madonna. Yeah, <laughs> um, is that when God made the universe, He put like little bits of Himself into everything in the world, and so like the goal of Kabbalah is to basically help God's plan come to fruition by freeing the bits of God that are trapped in creation by being good people. Is that about the size of it? Again, that's completely coming from an outsider's perspective. So the idea of God being in everything and in everyone yeah. is a part of Judaism. Yes. Um, I'm not so sure about the trying to force it all together. The, yeah, like reunify, because it's basically, from what I understand of it, mm -hmm. like when you get into it, basically, the idea is metaphorically God is like fractured. And so by by performing good acts in the world it's helping like god reunify kind of like metaphorically i don't know i i might be explaining i this. mean the whole thing is metaphorical yeah, so yeah, like yeah. you know he was splitting hairs here yeah but that's that's what i've understood for it because gotcha, I, gotcha. i've done a little bit of research into it for other things mm -hmm. just to kind of see what it's actually about um and that's that's the best explanation that I've been able to find for myself. But again, I'm not an expert. Gotcha. Gotcha. So <sighs> hence the Kabbalah hence stuff. The Kabbalah and stuff. like, again, that's kind of Sele's plan, but they pervert it because, you know, they're all evil billionaires mm -hmm. um, who really are only thinking about themselves when they're doing this, which is why the whole project kind of fails and, and it ends up being Shinji. Who's the one that actually gets to decide humanity's fate at the end of the series mm -hmm. and what does he decide for humanity's fate um i don't want to spoil it okay then don't spoil <laughs> we'll, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about it after because if there are people who still haven't seen evangelion i really do think that it's something worth watching all the way through again it is it is very slow at the start because it is at the start just kind of a deconstruction of the mecca like the mecca tropes um and then Hidetakiano, about halfway through, is dealing with his own, like, major depression and his own, like, family issues. And, like, he's realizing that he has always seen mecha anime as a form of escapism. And he's kind of trying to work through those feelings. Uh, and a friend of his also gave him books about, like, psychology and Freud um, and so he worked those aspects into the series as well. Um, and that's kind of where the series goes towards the end is it's like it basically the last two episodes of the series mm -hmm. are just a, like a psychoanalytic therapy session. Gotcha. It's trippy as fuck. And huh? it is trippy as fuck. <laughs> Cause there is no explanation in the series as to what is actually happening. And you then you, you watch see, the... like, scenes, but yeah. you don't... I could have sworn we had this exact same conversation in the last episode of the I, podcast. You may have had this conversation after we've, you watched it, but not had, recorded. We've had a conversation about it, but I don't think we've recorded it. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah. I, I know so, that you said it, you didn't think it was for you, Alex, but I would recommend just giving it another shot, at least. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, speaking about Kabbalah... Okay. Uh, <laughs> good transition. So, um... Apparently, like that whole like I was just doing some like light research on the side here. What you okay. were kind of talking about because Kabbalistic um, thought is split into like two factions. Okay. 
there's conceptual and practical Kabbalah. Okay. And what you were describing was more of the kind of the practical Kabbalah. Oh, okay. Which was... So I was right. You were right. (laughs) However, the conceptual Kabbalists think that they're a bunch of hacks. Okay. Uh, But basically the idea is to try to use like white magic to try to bring about the messianic age. Yeah. Um, But like the conceptual Kabbalists are like, what the fuck are you trying to do? (laughs) Like, stop this. Yeah. So I think that's probably more of like what they were drawing on. Because again, it's largely just the imagery and like the end of the world kind of a thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's i think that's the reason why they're pulling from those ideas gotcha not necessarily that they believe it but that's kind of what Mm -hmm. anyway yeah it's always it's always uh interesting to see people you know that aren't jewish interpret like jewish literature and like just how incorrect it usually is (laughs) or like use using like just hebrew text in like demon summoning circles it's like okay it looks <laughs> freaky to japanese people so let's use it yeah it's not english <laughs> yeah. um yeah so anyway um but you mentioned briefly and i put it down in my notes Ever here so briefly i put it down in my notes here so we'd come back to it invader zim, invader zim yeah so invader zim also came back we it talked- did we talked about Rob Rocco's Modern Life last time, mm-hmm. and now, uh, yeah, Lisa and I watched yeah. it. Have you watched it yet? I have not watched it, but I didn't watch the original. Oh, so, okay. You know. Um, I was a huge Invader Sim fan when I was in high school. Really? Yeah. Surprise, surprise. With your bondage pants yep. and you're going to Hot Topic on yep. Fridays. I had. I had. Tell us more, Nick. <laughs> basically, I had enough. Jonan Vasquez related shirts that I could wear one every day of the week and not wear the same one twice. <laughs> and I still have some of those. I still got my, my I still have my Happy Noodle Boy shirt. Um and my Johnny the Hansonal Maniac shirt. Um I don't think I have my Zim shirts anymore or the nail bun. How old one. are you? Um thirty-two. Okay. Um and I've had these since I was fifteen. I love you. I know. I'm great. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I was so I was really excited about Andrew the Florpus, and it was it was pretty funny. Um, didn't have quite the same emotional tone to it as Rocco, but Invader Zim never really did, so I'm fine with that. Like Rocco was always more Rocco. I don't know. I don't know what the word, right word for it is. Invader Zim was always more like wacky. Like, they're both kind of subversive for children's shows, but Rocco was subversive in the sense that it talked about a lot of, like, really kind of grown-up subjects. Uh, Not necessarily, like, dirty, but just kind of, like, mature. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, In, like, satirical ways. And, like, satirized it in a way that, you know, even adults watching the show, probably even more than the kids, could appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Invader Zim was subversive in that, you know, what Jonan Vasquez had done previous to Invader Zim was horribly violent and graphic um, comic books. So there, you know, there has that element of like violence and, and like darkness in it. Um, but also you know, goofy, wacky comedy, um, which I, I definitely appreciated in high school. It's, you know, it's a product of its time, I still feel like. Like, it's very, it feels very, like, OMG random, like, 2000s mm-hmm. still. Uh, but I think it it manages to do that kind of humor well. 
um, like better than other other people who try to just do it for the sake of doing it. I feel like Jonan Vasquez does it is a, as a way of like showing up like absurdities mm -hmm. because you know like the the premise of the show is this guy this like alien has come to earth to take it over but he finds out you know or you, you but the audience knows that the people who send him there like the the his his superiors yeah. send him there because he's annoying and they just want him away mm -hmm. um and then zim in the series in the seek in this uh in the special finds out that that was the reason why like he had a years-long plan to disappear mm -hmm. and then come back and then he forgot what the rest of the plan was <laughs> um and the, the series just kind of goes from there uh i don't know it if you like the original Invader Zim, you will like the special. It's more of the same. Did you watch it at least? The original? Um, I like I watched parts of it, I guess. I like I watched a few episodes, so like I know the overarching plot points mm -hmm. um and the general like the main characters, but I don't know a lot of specifics. Like I never watched the Christmas special. Yes, we've watched the Christmas special. I've fallen asleep while watching the okay. Christmas special. Um like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I liked it, but I don't think I was, like, as invested in it. So I think I ended up falling asleep during yeah. this one, too. When I, Sorry. When yeah. I was, like, in high school and middle school, like, people would, would like, like, it was something that was kind of ruined for me by the fans. Yeah. Whereas, like, oh, people would fair. run up and, like, Z-O-M-G waffles. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? I don't, mm. you know, what is I could see that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was, I, I, I don't know. I had all of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I had all of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac taken from me by someone who's going to borrow it and then never give it back. Someone who shall remain nameless? Someone or are you calling them out right here, Someone right who now? shall remain nameless. Oh, okay. Um, I had the entire series on DVD until a bad breakup when my, uh, my ex took the second volume of the series. So now I just have two-thirds of the series. <laughs> I'm missing the middle part. Um, I don't know why <laughs> she just wanted the second. She just took the second. DVD. Just to fuck with you, I guess. I don't know, man. Um, but I don't know. But yeah, there are people who were like got it really into it, who were just like, and I'm sure I was probably among them, honestly, who were very, <laughs> very into the show. Yeah. Um, and like quoted it nonstop. And, like, it was a lot of what I was into in high school. Like, a lot of that was kind of represented in, um, by Invader Zim. I like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac a little bit more. Um, but... I just, like... I don't know. How do we just feel about all of these things coming back from our childhoods? I don't know. It's the end of the world. Just, like, it's... <laughs> It, the apocalypse is upon us. We don't have time like, to make new shit. Just enjoy your Rocco's Modern Life reboot. It's like, have you ever seen, um, like, uh, what's that movie? Have you ever seen Soylent Green? Where, no. like, you find out at the end of, spoilers, Soylent Green is made out of people. But, like, and that's the thing that everybody knows about. Yeah. It. But there's a part where you actually see, like, this guy is going to, because it's two, com it's like one company, basically, that's, 
making Soylent Green, but also, also like, euthanizing people because, like, the world's gone to shit. And, like, you see what happens to one of the guys who goes there, and, like, he's watching this very pleasant, like, meadow as they give him, like, this lethal injection, and he just kind of drifts off to sleep, and it's very peaceful. I feel like that's what's happening. <laughs> Is that what the companies are giving us? Yeah, yeah, companies are giving us, like, shh. Like, if we give the millennials, like, all of these, yeah. like, like nostalgic just, shows, then maybe here. they won't revolt while hey, we guys, kill everybody. here's a new Star Wars movie. You like Star Wars? Shh, shh, it'll all be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what's happening. As they suck the last of the cash out of her wallets. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. last. They'll be dead soon, too, so. <laughs> no, that's why they're investing in space travel. God, yeah. Good, so I watched this episode, speaking of, like, nostalgic reboots. Um, I've been watching the DuckTales, the new DuckTales with some friends of mine. Um, and there was, like, an episode where basically, what's that, like, they were they were doing a parody of that um it's like that scientific lab that's out in the middle of Scandinavia that has like a seed of every Oh, the Svalbard seed vault. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they had a version of that in the DuckTales. Um they also made a climate change joke, which was kind of funny. But um in it because it's DuckTales with Scrooge McDuck there apparently was like a money tree and there was money tree seeds inside the vault with all the seeds. Um, and I was just like, and it, and they were like, yeah. So, you know, when the, the apocalypse happens, we'll have seeds, including the money tree. And I was like, why the fuck do you need fucking money in the apocalypse? Um, made me very upset. <laughs> Look, Elise, capitalism is the only economic system that's ever existed or ever will exist. It's impossible to have life without it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we're gonna have an apocalypse, we better fucking take capitalism down too. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not surviving the end of the world. Well, so to that pay way, rent. like, yeah, while well, having to pay rent and like standing in line at like the, you know, bombed out Starbucks or whatever, <laughs> um, to have minutes sucked from my life, like in that Justin Timberlake movie. Like, no, oh, Jesus Christ, damn it! If if we're gonna, you know, I forgot if, about that movie. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, like, if the world's going to end, it better fucking take capitalism down with it. You know? Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're as depressed as we, yeah. yeah, as we were in the beginning of this episode. So let's talk about other things then. God damn it. I mean, like, Unless one of have... the other things that we've watched this week is Deep Space Nine. That's true. Well, wait, we... even Space Future's going to shit. We have watched that, but we haven't watched a lot of it. We have watched The Terror. Did we talk about that last time? Uh, or I think that, we talked st- a little bit about it last time, but... Because um, we watched more of that, and we've also continued to watch... Um, Legend of Black Heaven. Yeah, which you... Ha- you know, watched Glow? We have watched Glow. Well, let's talk a little bit about Black Heaven for a second. Because you had mentioned that there was something like that kind of changed. Yeah, yeah, because we're about halfway through it now, and I'm like, all right. Because the first few episodes, it's like, all right, very formulaic. It's like... This guy is wacky hijinks, like a whole bunch of misunderstandings involving this space war. Like, we need to go have this guy play play rock music for the space war, but we can't have his wife find out. Oh, no, now she thinks that he, he's having an affair. How will the three goofy characters keep her from, like, finding that he's with the pretty space lady? Like, that, and then that's been the series, and then at the end he plays the music. But in this, in, like, the one we recently watched, he finally just put all the pieces together even though it was literally like i didn't quite understand this Mm -hmm. because he was literally told 
we are fighting a space war and your music makes our weapons shoot. He didn't believe her. He did. Like, he thought that she was just, like, some kind of kink- kinkster talking I about guess, it. I guess. Like, <laughs> but, like, he found out that that was literally true in the most recent episode and it just kind of it broke him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I was not expecting this this series to go this way. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I want to see how it ends up. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be f- not maybe not quite finished with it by the next time we record, but we'll be getting pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the terror. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know. Did you want to say another few words about the terror before we move on? Or um, I feel like that's going to be something we want to talk about when we're all done. With yeah. The let's series. let's finish that one in total before we talk about that. Um, cause I have been really enjoying it and really enjoying, uh, watching it. Um, and because it's something that you like had a little bit of previous experience with, yeah. you know, you had a little bit of something knowing what to go into. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, well acted. A lot of good set design. Wow. Yeah. Although we did find out that apparently there is an English dub to Legend of Black Heaven. Yes, we did like, find that. I didn't know that, and we checked Crunchyroll, and it's on there. Which, so. I didn't know that Crunchyroll even, like, featured dubs. I guess that's something that they've started doing relatively recently, because when I first started using Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. it was only the subtitles. Well, they have Verve, which would basically have, like, the English dubs... Of a lot of the stuff that they have for the Japanese, you know, dubs. Yeah. Or the, the original voice actors. Um, and so I'm thinking they're just, tr- since they have, like, these two separate sites, I think they're trying to just, like, coalesce them into one. Yeah. And, like, and so it may be that, like, Crunchyroll just kind of gets rolled back into Verve. Since Verve has, like, more of it. Yeah. Since they've got, like, more stuff for Verve. Yeah, that makes sense. So it might it might end up being some kind of weird reshuffling in the months or years to come. And, yeah, Lisa and I have been watching Glow. Yeah? Glow. Glow. Lisa, you want to talk about Glow? Have we talked about Glow before on the show? I think we have. I don't know. You've never, I've never heard of it. This is my first oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what there, there is to really say. Like, it's a great show. Um, well, Alex a, has never heard of oh, it. Okay. So let's, let's All right. So here. GLOW stands for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Mm. Um, it's a period piece set in the 1980s. And is based off of, roughly off of a true story. Okay. Um, which is that basically some television producers came together to produce a show called GLOW. Gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Um, one of the McMahon. Yeah, no. no. But it, the idea was like it was supposed to be like women's wrestling at as supposed to be like a counterpart to the men's wrestling, which was really like hitting its peak or its stride um, during the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the the story follows Ruth, played by Allison Brie, who's like a failed actress. She's been living out in L.A. She's kind of hitting rock bottom. Um, and so in season one, she joins uh, or she auditions uh, for for what turns out to be a wrestling show. <laughs> um, and there but it, but it's a really it's a beautiful ensemble female driven comedy, um, which is one of the things that I greatly appreciate about it. They also have like predominantly female writing, or at least by the third season, it's like predominantly female writers. It's like 
women directed like i don't know it's, it's really cool mm. um and especially since like the, uh e- like still behind the scenes i forget there's like an organization that does um like behind the scenes statistics of uh movies and television and it's like even still it's like still incredibly white it's still incredibly like white male like white cishet men um behind the camera and working in writing rooms and so it's it's really nice to have um just like a women a, a women's driven piece that is like fun and campy and kind of silly and um, until like it until gets until you serious. hit these like very distinct character moments but it's what's really fascinating about it is like on the surface level all the all the are not on the surface level but in the show in the wrestling show all of the all of the actresses play like stereotypes because it was the 1980s and apparently we completely lost our moral compass as a country um also we do you think we elected ronald reagan, fucking ronald reagan. twice twice i said twice and i know i know yeah. we were just echoing it okay <laughs> um but like you know so like the black woman plays uh, or one of the black women because there's multiple black women because it's fucking diverse as fuck yep. um there's welfare queen there's welfare queen and somebody else play our uh there's an asian girl that plays fortune, fortune cookie. cookie um ruth Allison Bree's character creates um, uh, the Russian. Yeah, Z- Vanya, something like that. Yeah, I think it's like Dust Vanya or something. Like yeah. it, like on Dust. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and to get, they're a tag team together. So the the Russian and the and the Chinese character, even though she's she's Vietnamese. Vietnamese, right? yeah. Like yeah. you find out in the, like the last episode that she has a, this incredible. Anyway, you find out in season three she has like the most depressing backstory ever. Um, um, but, uh, there's, uh, they, they do a tag team called like the red menace. Yeah. <laughs> um, which everyone he... roots for, right? <laughs> right. Sure. And, the, and the, the, yeah, the other character. So the, the British one is, is plays, uh, Britannica. Yeah. The, Brit- scientist. Uh, the scientist, even though she's dumb as bricks, it's great. <laughs> um, but like, you know, so they're all playing these stereotypes, but then like the, the writers really create these enriching beautiful backstories for all of them um and like none of the characters like all the characters are flawed in some way all of the characters like have some sort of struggle that they're going against um except for maybe the viking girl <laughs> who just kind of stopped being a character she just stopped and it was one. i don't know she was very and then, like, like she showed up in season three i'm like oh yeah her i was like oh no you're terrible but um her backstory was like she was actually an Olympian, an Olympian, and like is an athlete. I don't know. Um, so the character that she created got stolen because she's like this big kind of like muscly girl, and so the Allison Breeze counterpart, friend yeah. slash rival, um, who was like a soap opera star who kind of hit the skids, mm. she. Um, she ends up coming in and stealing this other girl's character. She's like, I want to be Liberty Bell. Yeah. That's the name of the character is like, so like the face is Liberty Bell. Um, but yeah, it's about them and like pulling their scrappy show together and like the women coming into their own. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just a fun, beautiful show. And it's just, I don't know. It's just nice. 
Like, I don't know what to say. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just a nice fucking show. It's like, it's a comedy until it isn't. And it, like, plugs it, like, it, you know, pulls at your heartstrings. And nice. Allison Brie plays a terrible person. <laughs> She's a terrible pre- human being. Um, She's a little bit better in season three. Like, she, she gets, she grows over time. Yeah. And, like, she grows and she changes and she learns lessons. And, like, they keep changing um, the situations to make it fresh. Like, it has just the right like just the correct number of episodes per season that it doesn't get too dull or too into itself and yeah go watch it i don't know like it's fun the world's fucking ending like sometimes (laughs) it's nice to just watch a 36 minute comedy about ladies wrestling and doing it for themselves (laughs) um fucking oh if you ever watch um what is that stupid uh lucha underground oh god if you if you watch lucha underground a couple of people from there have like yeah when can you miss some cameos that's right they were like the very first episode yeah yeah uh, eddie eddie guerrero was in the very first episode i felt like somebody else was also in it someone um yeah um machu picchu's brother yeah is one of the wrestlers one of the characters is like her family are all professional wrestlers and the people that they cast to play her brothers and dad are all professional, like, real professional wrestlers. Which <laughs> <laughs> is pretty cool. So she she has, like, like, a great story because it's, like, she wants to do these things, too. But, like, you know, she can't because she's a girl and it's the 80s. I don't know. Um, it's just such a nice show. That's, that's all I have to say. We should watch nice. the rest of... Um, of- uh, Lucha Underground. I know I say that like, <laughs> every, but now it's no longer on Netflix, so you'd have to buy it. I know that's why we haven't watched it. But I want to watch I, it. I like for I me, it's to... one of those things. Like Look. I don't, I don't like right. want to invest money in this. Like now, I've already invested ten dollars a month in Netflix, so I'll, like I'll Elise, watch it if it's on. But... It's like at the it's end like of season two, me. Pentagon Junior takes over the temple. <laughs> oh I have no, to find we out have to what find happens. out what happens. It's like that for me in Avatar, like yeah. the last time. Like I want to watch it. I'm ready to watch it. I just finished um, my other. The other animated show that I've been watching, um, uh, uh, Shira. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I wrapped that up, and it's like I could watch it, but gotta pay for it. Yeah. Uh, however, I do know someone who has it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, oh, I, so we've if, been thinking about getting it too. So yeah. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. just go ahead and get it. Bite the bullet. I don't know. Do maybe. But I still haven't seen all of uh, Legend of Korra either. So. Oh we yeah. Get, we can get there's like a full box set now for both of them. Yeah. So I might do that. That's a thing. Anyway. Um, the Earth's dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth's dying. Go watch some lady wrestling. Yeah. Let's kill some. Uh... No, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Do we want to talk. Take about... down some monarchs while we're at it. Do we want to talk about anything else while we're while we're here? Um, we should watch. You should watch Shira. Like it's okay. it's really short. Yeah. Like like you you like the first season has like twelve episodes. The second season has like seven. Yeah. Last season yeah, has like short. six. Yeah. So it's real short. Uh, just kind of check it out. Um, the best way I saw someone post like a meme on on Facebook, which was like a scene from it on like a YouTube video, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like the title. Uh, of a video, which is I swear to fight my ex girlfriend in a Denny's parking lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which per, pretty pretty accurately, pretty accurately describes, describes the show. Yeah, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but other than that, I haven't really. 
I've been doing a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, Fair. Been watching Deep Space Nine. Like, yeah. Like I could talk yeah. a lot about Deep Space Nine, but I don't think Let's, we've been caught up to that. Yeah, we just. So, you I mean you saw where we are? We just mm-hmm. finished the episode with the guy who puts his mind in Doctor Bashir's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you're probably <laughs> ahead of us. God, I am. Star I am Trek like a, so quite a few weird. episodes ahead. Of well, you. We we also keep going back and forth between that and TNG, and TNG because true. we both really like TNG. Yeah. Um. And we've all, we've only got like a, a season and a half left of TNG. We're almost there, mm-hmm. and then I think we'll just fully commit ourselves to DS9 until we get to where Voyager starts. Then we might start watching Voyager. I'd be down for watching Voyager. I you know I've never seen it. Never it's, seen it. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes here or there. I've I'm, seen all yeah. of the Star Trek movies. I've seen probably all of TOS, probably all of TNG. Um, no, I have watched all of TNG. I know that for sure. Probably more than once. Um, I watched Deep Space Nine many years ago, but I fell off before the series ever ended. So um, this will be my first time watching it all the way through. And then I've never watched anything after ds9s so i never watched voyager i never watched enterprise enterprise i would like to watch discovery now that you have that um cbs all access <laughs> that paid for. all access all access all except for access. all the things that you need well, we're not gonna talk about that yeah um but we can't watch discovery on there so that's a thing that's, a yeah, thing that's we can nice do. that's nice that's nice uh <laughs> I watched. I I sat down and I binge watched an entire series. Like Elise was out the other day, so I'm like, I'm gonna watch something Elise doesn't want to watch. <laughs> and I ended up watching a little bit of The Mist. I think I talked to Vlad about that last time. What's up? Oh, sorry, no, keep talking. I just remembered something else that I watched, but continue. I watched a little bit of The Mist. I don't know. I my pro- here's my problem with the Mist TV series compared to the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie, you know what the threat is. Mm-hmm. From like the get go, it's a thing in the mist. It's a there was a well. I mean, you get to see it. There's like mm-hmm. monsters in the mm-hmm. mist, and it's like okay, cool. You go out in the mist, monsters will eat you. Like that's the problem. Like where does this mist come from? Where do the monsters come from? You find out towards the end of the movie, but it's like you don't really need to know because you know what the threat is and the rules are consistent. The mist is outside. There are monsters that are only in the mist. If you're inside and there's no mist, you're safe. Mm-hmm. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. With the TV show. I'm, like, halfway through the first season. I have no idea what the threat is. Like, it's something in the mist, but it's, like, the rules seem to change every time someone goes out there. It's, like, sometimes people will hallucinate. Some, or, but, like, it's not really a hallucination because other people will see it. Other people will see it, too. Sometimes it's, like, there's a bug thing. Like, they keep showing close-ups of bugs. Like, oh, man, this is important. But I don't understand how or why. Um, and sometimes they're like weird shadow monsters. Like it's lost. I'm like, what is actually happening? It's a mist. I, I like like I like the characters in mm-hmm. it. But it, it makes it really difficult for me to get invested in what's actually happening. Because it's like, oh no, the main characters are going out in the mist. Like, here's a perfect example. All mm-hmm. right. So there is a part um, where one of the main characters winds up in a hospital and uh we find out that his brother's there like his brother was attacked uh when the mist first came in he was attacked he wound up in the hospital he's been stuck there and he's like dying of sepsis because the the part of the hospital where the operation the like the things that they need to perform the operation 
to save his life are is like at the other end of this corridor that's filled with the mist. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. Like, I get, I get that mist. The mist is somehow a threat. So it's like, well, it's my brother's life. So I'm gonna put him on a gurney. I'm gonna get a radio, and I'll perform the operation myself. Okay. So he gets his brother on a gurney. He, like, he gets a radio, he gives the other radio to the doctor so the doctor can walk him through what to do. Because he's not going to put the doctor's life at risk. They run down the thing. And the entire way there, while they're in the corridor that's filled with mist, like, the brother is, like, bleeding from everywhere. It's like, suddenly starts bleeding from everywhere. Doesn't happen to the main character. It's just happening to the brother. So it's like, okay, what in the mist is causing this to happen? Why is it working for this guy and not for the other guy? All right, and then they get into the room, they do the operation, they're running back, and suddenly just leeches are falling from the ceiling. It's just like, there's no consistency. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if I watch all the way through to the end of the series, it'll all hopefully make sense, but it's it's just kind of frustrating because with horror, you need to establish what the threat is and why it's a threat and establish a set of rules that make sense. Those rules can be completely off the wall, Right. Nightmare on Elm Street. You fall asleep. This guy's going to get into your dreams and kill you. Mm -hmm. All right? Doesn't really make sense, but we establish it. It's consistent throughout the movie. So, you know, falling asleep is a threat. Here is why falling asleep is a threat. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Like, if if the mist just does whatever the fuck it wants for, like, no reason that anyone in the audience understands, it's like, yeah, it can be gross. It can end up doing, like, horrifying things, but it's like... It's not scary because you don't understand, like, what's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little annoying. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I still kind of want to finish the series just to see what I like. But the movie, I definitely think that you would probably like the movie, Alex. Probably. Um, movie's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Darabont, who mm-hmm. also created the Walking Dead TV show. And then they fired him after the first season and it hasn't been worth watching since. <laughs> um, in my opinion. Uh, the other thing that I watched after I, so I watched a few episodes of that and I was like, okay, I'm getting kind of tired of this, but the new season of Mindhunter came out. Everyone's been talking about that. I watched all of Mindhunter. Man, that show is good. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I don't like the second season as much as I liked the first season, but I think it's because the first season was a little bit more focused in like what it was doing because the first season is just kind of talking about how the um behavioral analysis part of the fbi came into formation um and apparently like all of the conversations that they have in season one are like almost taken verbatim from the actual tapes Mm -hmm. where these where these fbi agents are interviewing like serial killers from the 60s um to kind of figure out how and why do people become serial? Like, what is the psychology of a serial killer? So, like, maybe we can use this to catch other serial killers in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've always found extraordinarily fascinating. It's a very flawed science, um, but it's it's also, like, ripe for some of the best stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a big fan of Silence of the Lambs since I was in high school. So, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff has always been, like, really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, season two has been, well, was really good. Um, told a story of a serial killer that I was unfamiliar with. So that was kind of neat. Um, and a serial killer whose cases have just been reopened. So it's 
very like like right on the cusp of all this happening mm -hmm. um because in the early 80s there was a string of uh young african-american males being found dead in um in atlanta and it took a long time for the fbi to get involved like, that's probably one of the best aspects of this season is you get a sense of like how fucked the criminal justice system is in the United States because like these guys are like, Oh man, we're going to be talking to Charles Manson. Like this is going to be really cool. Meanwhile, all this horrible shit is kind of happening in the background. And it's like, nobody cared. Like the FBI didn't get involved until 19 bodies were found. And is it a little white girl that's gone yeah, missing? Exactly. No. The, and, okay. And that's kind of what it was, was mm -hmm. that, you know, well, they just assumed that this was, you know, gang, gang, violence. gang, gang violence, basically. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, these kids, you know, they get involved in drugs or they get involved in crime. And yeah, they're going to wind up dead. Like that was kind of the thing. Um, and then eventually they do get involved. And by the by that time, there are like 30 people dead. Mm -hmm. It's like a ridiculously high number. Because like a lot of serial killers, like you look at into their history and it's like they killed like six people for sure they maybe kill like 15 but like some of those cases are a little bit more difficult to close the guy that they put away for it at the end of the series is like the the real guy um that that kind of gets put away but he only gets convicted of killing two people and both of those victims were the adults that he killed hmm. like he was never actually conclusively linked to any of the children that were murdered. And so it's like, was he actually the person who killed them? Probably. But, like, it's never been proven in a court of law. And so they finally, after like 30 years, have reopened the case. Nice. Um, so that's kind of neat. Uh, but it, there are some other things that, that are... There was a lot of, like, interpersonal conflict in the first series that made it really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, all of the FBI agents that were involved were kind of clashing with each other. There's less of that in this series, in this season. And so, like, each it, the, the series is able to go and explore each of these char characters as individuals. Which is kind of interesting. Except for the one that is, like, the, the, the guy that always takes the lead on all this stuff doesn't get investigated as a person like his whole character arc is about we need to go down to atlanta to figure this stuff out and then like you don't really learn more about him as a character which is frustrating because the end of the last season ends with him up in the hospital after having had a panic attack mm. so it's like there's a lot of ripe ground there and then the the lady fbi agents like her whole uh character arc is about her being a closeted lesbian and one of the guys says something homophobic. And so she has to deal with that. Like, and that's her character arc mm -hmm. and while also like dating this bartender lady and not really wanting to be out while dating her, mm -hmm. um, which is, it's an interesting thing. That's Charlie Theron's character. And Charlie Theron is always great to watch on, on screen. Mm -hmm. um, Cause she is a fantastic actor. And then the older FBI agent has a, way off the wall completely unbelievable storyline that's happening which was cool but it's like i'm like there's no way this actually happened and so it kind of takes me out of the 
uh, out of the show just a little bit, considering it's all supposed to be stuff that really happened, you know? But it's like, the, one of the guys that founded the behavioral science department of the FBI, like, his son was involved in, like, his uh, adopted son, who's like eight, is involved in a murder. And it turns out, like, he, like, it, like he was uh, playing with these older kids who ended up accidentally killing this toddler. And then the kid had the idea to, like, put him on a crucifix. And so you think it's like, oh, no, it's a fucked up serial killer. And then it's like, no, it's this guy's kid is fucked up. Mm. Um, and it's as it goes through, it's like he starts doing all these creepier things. And it's like you're supposed to see that the kid is, like, developing all the same psychological stuff that he's been seeing with the serial killers. And mm -hmm. it's like, come on. <laughs> it also doesn't help that this, like, the murder took place in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I'm like... I would have heard about that. <laughs> if something that fucked up had happened in like the 20th century in Fredericksburg, we would never stop talking about it in Virginia. But Fair. Anyway. Anyway. It's a good show. Other mm. than that, like there, there's some minor gripes with the second season. First season is definitely tighter. Um, but there's some really cool, like the really cool story beats in the second season. Nice. Yeah, like I said, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about it, so it's good that you've been doing that. Well, uh, uh, there is one other thing that I don't know if we can talk about yet if everyone hasn't seen it. Um, the third season of Stranger Things. I haven't, I haven't finished it. You haven't I finished haven't it? started it. You haven't started Okay, because I finished it, um, and so we'll wait until everyone else is caught up to talk about that then. Yeah. Um, I did also watch Battleship Potumkin. I've seen that. You've seen that? Really good use of a uh, Soviet montage. Mm. <laughs> almost, they invented almost, Soviet indeed montage. It did. Um, but yeah, no, I was watching it with a, a friend, uh, a new friend of mine, and um, yeah, no, that's it's um, something where like for the time, just like how new it would have been for 1925. Yeah. And, like, you know, trying to compare it to other films that existed in 1925 and just, like, I don't know. It did a lot of, it did a lot of things first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Soviet Montage. Mm -hmm. um, what was the other one that that director, he, that director did several. Uh, he did, I think, uh, something about, like, 10 Days That Shook, it's not, like, exactly 10 Days That Shook the World, but it's, like, 10 Days in October or something mm -hmm. like that, I think. There was a, and there was, like, one that I think he directed about like a strike or something i can't remember i don't know uh but yeah we we watched it on youtube and it was it was good it was did, good did he direct alexander nevsky too i don't know yeah. anyway uh movie history yay, yay. Anyway, uh, I think we've just about kind of run out of topics to talk about. All three of us are kind of staring at our squares. I'm, I'm looking up the, the movie. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going saying. through Pinterest. I'm not going to lie to either <laughs> of you. Uh, but during my scrolling, I found somebody invented a chair just for bisexuals. <laughs> uh, Does it have like a, a rest up here for the leg? Yes. and like a? Yeah, no, it has a rest up here for the arm. And then like there's like another rest down below for one of your legs. Uh, but your other leg can sit on the floor. I think and, I saw this, and I know, wanted I, to post it to somebody. I but I, I just felt it. really seen. You felt uh, really seen. I felt really seen. Um, 
Actually, fucking today oh. at work, I like turned around uh, at a meeting and sat with my knees on a fucking chair. And I was like, I feel like I just outed myself <laughs> <laughs> to this entire room of uh, people. He was the same guy who directed uh, Alexander Nevsky, Sergei Eisenstein. Yeah. Uh, strike was the movie I was thinking of about a strike. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. That and Battleship Potemkin were made the same year. Mm. Uh, then two years later was October, 10 Days That Shook the World, yeah. in parentheses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I was thinking of, Alexander Nevsky, was in the 1930s. Okay. Um, which that one is about uh, when the Crusaders invaded Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Russians fought them off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the the Teutonic Knights on the lake and all that. Yep. Yeah. Um, one thing that was really interesting to see is there's a you know, with the montage is all of the how the machinery works. Yeah. Like there's a lot of shots of like boiler rooms and and things of that sort and just like seeing what old ships were like. Yeah. Back then is just like fascinating still to me. Um, and so, and then like com- thinking about that and then watching the terror. Yeah. 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 And then there was like some things that even though you're dealing with two very different periods of time, some things didn't change. Like no. the, the way that the, the mess is set up with like the hanging tables. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's exactly the same thing in both, both times. Uh, I don't know if that's how they still do it today. Probably not. Probably not. But, um. But yeah, no, it was it was uh, really cool to look at and and see, and um, and, and like the the very blatant like uh, disavowal of anti-Semitism that happens in that movie. <laughs> yeah, where where it's like uh, everyone's mourning and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna take him down, and one person shouts it, yeah, to kick out the Jews, and then everyone turns on him and like throws him in the ocean, in the, the, the sea. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> Solidarity for all peoples, bitches. <laughs> I appreciate, like, um, cause I, I studied that film in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that I, I remember hearing about it when we were talking about it in class was that basically, the Soviets were so good at making films, especially like early on in the Soviet union, basically by matter of necessity, because the, so like they suddenly found themselves in control of such a vast area of land mm-hmm. and so many different kinds of people who spoke so many different languages. So you can use title cards. So you can use title cards and have that language. And especially, well, and even for people, if you didn't use title cards, for people who like couldn't read, mm-hmm. you could still convey messages just through the images. Yeah. Like even silent film era, title cards like help a little bit, but they're not a hundred percent necessary. No. So this is where things like Soviet montage like come into it was to convey Soviet ideology in a way that was completely digestible to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, really cool. Yeah, and I just you know I and- do I do like the old films and and the very much overacting that has oh, to be yeah. done with silent films yeah, yeah. Uh, where you can kind of see everyone moving their hands all over the place <laughs> and gesturing widely and it's like yeah okay have you ever seen uh, metropolis uh not in its entirety oh, we should watch it sometime well no i don't think anyone's seen <laughs> metropolis in its entirety since like you know the 1920s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> since it was originally released yeah I have the DVD that has as much of it as existed as when, when that DVD, DVD was came made. out. I don't know if they've found more of it I since then. I think they have. At least, 
I don't know when that DVD came out, but I think that more has been found recently. Uh, but yeah, no. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So I guess. Guess that's all I for guess tonight. That's it for this week. <sighs> so anyway, now I have to go and edit this all. Yay! Yay! Yay. But uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, once again, this has been some nerds have a podcast. I'm Alex. Nick. I'm Elise. And we will see you again next time.